Hey guys, welcome back to You Chat Too Much. This is our ninth episode. Hey Madge, how are you? All right, mate. How's, uh, how's everything been for you this week? Uh, it's been very good. Uh, we're back, back in school, uh, virtually, but we are back, um, somewhat back in school, so that's really good. Nice to have the kids back in. Nice to kind of have a, have a bit of purpose again with working. Um, yeah, it's felt quite positive actually this week. How about yourself? Yeah, same. It's been having a summer that's had hardly anything going for me. It's been nice to have something busy. But the other, the other thing, I'm, I just sound like I'm complaining a lot. But the other thing is, 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 it just takes like one or two weeks to adjust, doesn't it? So I'm just really tired as well. Like spending a lot of time on the screen and uh, just trying to, yeah, with the, with a little one as well, just not getting enough sleep. So just trying to adjust. Um, uh, places have started to open, but it's not really rolled out as we're quite naive thinking that we can go out and eat, but they've got to get vaccinated. And then I think the other thing is that um, the facilities in our condo just started opening up. So pools and uh, the pool and the playground area, which means we've got more to do for the kids. So looking at exploiting that this, uh, this weekend, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I think those types of things starting to open up the the pools and the parks and just generally the the stuff that we do day to day that would be really nice to open up and I, and I know it's going to mean a lot to to you guys and as parents, which is an absolutely insanely unplanned segue to our topic today, which is about parenthood, and then it's my pleasure to introduce. Pearl to the podcast. Hey Pearl, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. I'm I mean, blown away at how good that transition was. Yeah, but <laughs> you got too excited with that transition. You should have given me the respect to introduce my own wife. <laughs> Look what you just did there. Okay, I apologize. Madge, would you like to introduce no, your sorry, wife? Sorry, it's already done now. I can't do any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so Pearl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting to um, or chatting with us today. Um, regarding parenthood and and kind of sharing some of your views and opinions and um, Madge you want to start us off just introducing parenthood and yeah um, the, that little comment you made first there so before we start we just kind of do want to say that although me and Paul are parents uh, to two beautiful girls we're no we're not saying that we're experts in this we, we obviously have experience and there's people who are more experienced and probably better than us in explaining a lot that's not what we're really going to do on this episode. We're just going to talk about more around the stigma and the stereotypes around parenthood, which we found out um, by being parents. So we're going to discuss more about that. Uh, but before we start, well, I think what would be interesting is to kind of share our own experiences of our own parents without trying to be too critical. Um, and then how has that shaped us uh, in, in terms of people now, but also our thoughts and processes of being parents. So, Pearl, do you want to start with um, how, yeah, what your parenthood or your childhood was like with your parents? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I come from, uh, you know, my mom is a single mom, so there's five of us. Um, I've always lived with my grandmother since I was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, probably five or six years old. We've moved to my grandma's house and uh, I've lived there like till about 20, 21. 
until I, you know, went to university and start working and then living outside home and stuff like that. Um, so my grandma has always been the person who has showed love, affection. You know, she's always... Till now, we just... The love that we have with her is amazing. Um, my mom, though, she plays both roles so she's a mom and at the same time she's a dad is make sure like she gives enough attention as well but I know it is very very difficult sometimes I don't even I don't even think about I didn't think about this until I became a parent how much time you need to put in to make sure that you can equally spend time with all your kids and there are five of us so can you imagine like how that would that would have been for her and the guilt that she would have had as well because I really am struggling with that at the moment because I feel like since Zara's, you know, uh, entered our lives, I'm finding it very difficult to manage the time between Isla and her. So, yeah, so that's, that's how it was with, like, my, my, um, my upbringing. Um, I would say my uncles, because I was staying at my, my grandma's house, so my uncle was there as well. So my uncles were really, really strict with us as well. So we, as girls, we can't do certain things. We have to be at home at this time and things like that. So there's, there's a lot of things that, were, that came to it when it comes to disciplining us. Um, but when it comes to like affection, like showing love and affection, like we don't, we're not people who would hug each other or like kisses or things like that. Um, it's very like, yeah, hi, bye. Yeah, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, that's how, that's how it is with us. Just wanted to clarify that, um... When we talk about Isla and Zara, Isla's our oldest daughter. She's 21 months or one year, nine, nine months for Joe. And uh, our newborn is two months old, Zara. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting there as well. It, it sometimes does take you to become parents, I suppose, to then kind of like even understand what, what your parents did or, or in your case, like what your mum did and then your grandparents and then that involvement. And um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I kind of had um, what I would say like a really privileged upbringing, I suppose, in the sense of, you know, I had my mum and dad um, there, but I also had the privilege of having my nan and granddad next, next door um, in like a kind of built house built onto the side, which for people in the UK, isn't that common. I know, if we're, if we're thinking about our context related to Malaysia, it's quite common to have grandparents, other generations of your family in your house as well, or maybe very close by. So I was really lucky and compared to my uh, friends. And as I was growing up, I was able to like go in and see my grandparents all the time. Um, I never had baby sisters. You know, it was always just like Nan or you would go in next door. Um, and that was really big for me. And, and I think, what you said, Pearl, about not being like a, uh, like a, a loving, or what, what did you say? Not like a, a kissing and hug type of family, affectionate. I would say in a sense, we're like the opposite. Like my, my mum and dad would both like be happy to give hugs and kisses to people. My mum would, you know, uh, that would probably be the first thing that she would do to anybody is give them a kiss and a hug. Um, and she's very affectionate like that. And, um, you know, somebody said to me once, your mum's like uh, Mrs. Potts off the Borrowers. Have you, have you ever, do you know that reference? Imagine you might know that reference. Yeah. Like, but just like a very loving mum. And and I think as I was growing up, I was very lucky to kind of have that 
And I think the one thing I've identified and, and you guys might, this might be something that you either want or you want to work towards is, is like we always had dinner together. And I know that sounds like a quite a simple and, um, you know, whether that's a big thing or not. But I think that was such a big thing for like us to chat about our day, chat about our school. And I know it's something we kind of encourage our kids to do at, at school, you know, when we're having chats with parents and you kind of say to them, oh, you know, when did you last chat to your mum and dad? Did you have a conversation with them? Do you have dinner together? And sometimes that can be really hard when you're busy. But I think trying to find time for that is important. Do you think, do you think that's something you would, you would always want, Pearl? Yeah, for sure, for sure. We do that actually right now. Like I think Isla's become, um, she, she, she looks at us, um, she realises that when she, when she goes to play and then she comes back, she sees Maj and I sitting down and having our dinner. She literally join us. Um, and it has become, I don't know, it's just somehow she picked it up. She always wants to sit on the chair next to us and then she wants to eat. Um, and then we just ask her, like, though she, you know, she blabbers around, like, we don't know what she's talking about, but she always has a story to tell us as well. Um, that is something that Maj and I has always, have always done as well. Like, uh, since we were together, we always have dinner together. And I think that is, like you said, Joe, it's, very, it's, a, very, it's a very important thing to do as well. Um, you get to catch up. Like, I, I don't think I speak or, you know, um, find out what's happening with Maj unless I sit down with him and speak to him. And that's the only time that I can actually get attention from him. Uh, <laughs> he's a very busy man. Busy. <laughs> no, I, totally, so... I totally get that. Matt, do you want to talk about so... your, your parents and your kind of upbringing and things? Yeah, my, mine was quite similar to Pearl's, actually. Um, my, my mom and dad, we were, uh, I, my mom and dad have recently got divorced, but they've been together for over 25 years of my life. And... Um, but my mum played the role of both mum and dad, even though my dad was around in the house and everything. It was just that he was the one who brought the money and he was the one, he was the only one who had a job. Uh, he was a taxi driver and he usually worked, worked at nights. So he'd, he'd get up around, he'd sleep during the day, probably get up around two o'clock in the afternoon. And then he'd go to work. And by that time, I've come back to come back from school and he's already gone out to work. Um, and then he'll come home for his like lunch or dinner, whatever time, whatever that considered. But uh, and then sometimes we'd see him, sometimes we'd not. It depends if we if we're at home. So we could go like a few days without like physically speaking to him. Um, although we see him sleeping and stuff like that. So my my mum had to play like both roles, um, which is very strange to say. My dad was there, and my dad also like. He, he spent a lot of time working and outside the house. He didn't really spend much time with us. I mean, the only time my, me and my dad really connected was he used to play for a cricket team on Sundays and he used to play all over Yorkshire. <clears throat> That's what the league was. And I used to go with him and that's how I got into cricket was basically just going with his team and then I would play cricket on the side by myself or with whoever was there. Um, but my dad was very strict, um, very, very strict. Like he, he is... Theology or philosophy was more like uh, only speak when you're spoken to. And, I, and mm -hmm. so that obviously comes from his parents. And so I think a lot of the parenting that I received or Pearl received is what basically they received the generation before. But I think the difference between our parenting now with their parenting is that we've been educated and there's been a lot more, there's a lot more science behind education as well. And there's also the side that the fact that how, how I now know how it's impacted us uh, we're talking about love and affection again. We're a family that doesn't show that, 
Um, and then now I want to make sure that happens in our family. So it's like learning from them uh, and making sure that doesn't happen to us, really. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. And, and that kind of leads on to our next part. And I know, Pearl, you've already talked about how that's something, you know, having dinner together is something you want to take forward. Madge, is there, is there things that you experienced as a kid that were really positive that you want to um, take on and, and take forward as well with, um, with Zara and, and Nyla? Yeah, I think it's just the amount of time that was the care and the love and affection from my mum. Like, even though she couldn't give us much, we, did, we, we, weren't, we didn't have money. We were pretty much, when, when I look at it, we just living week to week. Uh, food was on the table. It's not like we were ever starving, but we were basically, we couldn't buy the best products or uh, best uh, clothes or branded stuff until we had our own money. Uh, but she did the best in that situation and basically she stepped up and, and looked after us both. And I think what I learned from that, even though that's really positive from her, there's a lot of, um, what do you call it? There was a lot of pressure on her. So that then mm-hmm. makes me think about how I support Pearl as well in the process and not just being the traditional view of the woman doing everything. I speak to Pearl quite a lot about how important it is for her to work and how, what sort of message that says to our kids. Um, and that also takes the burden away from finance, which was the burden on my mum and dad as well. Um, but also like just um, sharing the roles as much as we can, sharing the responsibility as much as we can, which is very different because my brother and sister, even though they're from my generation, my sister's very much the one who does everything for her kids. My brother, his wife or my sister-in-law pr- pretty much does everything mm-hmm. for, for their kids as well. So they still have a very traditional upbringing where mine, I've kind of, wanted to I wanted to it's not something that that being forced anything is I've always wanted to kind of make sure it's more balanced that that's like um I mean one that that links quite heavily to what we talked about last week about religion and then it also there's also a lot to do there with um with culture which was obviously like one of our first or second episodes do you think Pearl is that something that's really important to you that you never fall into that kind of I mean, I, maybe I can say it in the sense of, or whether you would agree, but that quite an old school way of thinking that like, you know, mum stays at home, cooks and, and looks after the kids as the father goes out and works. Like I would say that's very old school and I've never experienced it. But I know culturally that can sometimes maybe be a little bit more accepted in certain parts of the country. Yeah, well, I think... I don't know because I'm I come from a family where my mum the female in my family has always worked so mm-hmm. I always see that as an you know as an inspiration as well and I want to I want to work um, I think the issue that probably a lot of women could could you know relate to me is the guilt that you have mm-hmm. um, I, I I think it's me I definitely want to be around my kids if, as much as I can I do want to be around them it's not like I don't want to work I do want to work but I also want to spend enough time with them and that yeah. is something that I'm still struggling right now. And, you know, I've taken some time off more than my maternity break that I, that I got. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, if I could, I would love to have more time off as well, just because I can see the milestones and things like that. But, um, but yeah, like my, what my says, I think it is still important that we both share roles. And I think the relationship that our, our girls have with us are pretty good as well. Like, you know, Isla knows that, right, at this time, uh, uh, Maj is going to put her to sleep. I'm going to give her a bath. You know, we all have our own roles that we do yeah. with her. 
and and that, that that really strengthen our relationship as well with her i think a lot of times what i see is that women tend to do a lot of things and i it, it's something that I, i i think i realized after i became a mom where i want to do a lot of things on my own yeah. and, and i don't want much to do it um or maybe i think that much can't do that the way that i want to do it you know like i don't know if it's like an ocd thing of me or i'm being controlling or whatever but that is something that i've you know i've let go a little bit the second time around with zara or i would say after a while when we had ayla um you know the way mind feeds her for example or maybe the way he gives her a bath for example you yeah. know there's a certain way that i like to do it and i find that maybe the way that mind does you know i don't really like it i think that's something that i have to learn as well to let go in 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 a way um but like what much mentioned before i definitely think that both of us should be doing you know take take the role as well so i was thinking as well this the second kid or the you know the second child that you have there's probably less um not that they you care less but like you've experienced and you've had all that like nervousness with the first one but the second one maybe you're like oh, okay like you can try it this way or i can do it this way and it's and it's different i will i always find I mean now it doesn't happen as much but there's way more photos of my sister than there is me because obviously originally you're taking a photo of absolutely everything it's the first of everything oh, it's the first time they picked up a leaf in the park first time they put their shoes on and then when you get to the second child i mean let alone what it's like if you have 3 4 5 6 but i mean it's 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 that isn't it once you once you kind of break down that initial nervousness with kids i'm sure yeah that's that's already happening for us that like you already <laughs> are two months old and not hardly taking any photos but i'm all the same to pearl i said pearl's quite good at taking photos so like just make sure you take them because before we both are taking them yeah um, but like yeah it, it's so um, it's true it's very true <laughs> yeah it's funny it's funny um i i just want to like kind of ask you a little bit more about that idea of like um the point you made about guilt as well pearl because i think i think that's something where um i could imagine as like you know females or just generally as parents that must be really tough to find that balance of like wanting to stay at home but also wanting to have a career also wanting to work and do your own things and that balance must be so tough is it do you have that conversation do you feel comfortable having that conversation with other mums or other other parents or do you think sometimes you, there isn't enough talking about it um i would say yeah the people that i am around with they do they do speak about that a lot um and the people that i am around with most of the time are the mums that i meet in my apartment so um most of them obviously at at, at right now we're quite lucky that we're on, in a way you know lockdown we get to be at home with the kids yeah. so like for me i pretty much so i've take i took 10 months off since i was born and then mm-hmm. i went to work after that and then i was working for 2 months and then i came back it, we were on lockdown again so literally like she's almost two now and i've been with her most of the time so yeah, i'm awesome. i'm lucky in a way i i really enjoyed being around her um and it's the same thing with other moms as well so like they they have been with their kids but I do remember some of my friends who you know who obviously did not know that they have to go back to work um you, you know physically to the office and stuff 
and they did say to me I really can't I can't imagine uh, leaving my child behind because the two months off that you have and then going back after that it really is not important it really is not um not long enough uh, not long enough yeah not long enough for us i think physically you're not even ready to to do things and you know worsely like leaving your kids behind it's you know it's just unimaginable to be honest so yeah i do have some of my friends who feel you know they they feel guilty of leaving their child and at the same time when you have no parents or grandparents to look after them that's even worse you know you don't know how the caretakers when you're looking after your child as well yeah. that's another thing that you're thinking you know you want things to be certain ways so when if i'm at home i know for example if i'm making food for ayla i know this is what i'm going to make for her whereas yeah. if i have someone else making food for her i don't know what's inside you know those are some of the things that concerns me in a way and at the same time i think of the, of course the guilt you know i i do want to spend as much time as i can with my girls um and it's something i have to accept i think that's something amaj always told me as well like you know we're just showing a good example to our, our our girls that you know you are a working mom and you can still manage that and this could inspire them to be uh, whoever they want to be as well yeah for sure uh, it's not only just that as well like we we're talking about like just how how important it is to set an example but there's other things that we want to do as a family and as a couple so it ha- also has a financial strain like on us as well like the fact that if Pearl doesn't work so we want to go back to the UK every summer we want to be able to spend and go on holidays as well like in, in our holidays uh, and we want to buy things and we want to have experiences so if you take that job away that then puts that means we can do we can have Pearl not working but then we don't get to enjoy the other aspects of life that we really enjoy doing like traveling and doing all the other experiences that we want and also taking our kids to those experiences as well mm-hmm. so there is that balance of like all right well you might not work but are you will you be okay that the fact that we can't save towards a house or will you be okay that we can't go on these holidays i mean is that sacrifice really worth and having an impact on the rest of your life so by her going back to work it allows us to travel it allows us to save up money as well and it allows us to have experiences so there's there's more of it as well that you need to consider you know that's a that's a balance isn't it and then again when we go back to like you know talking about happiness and what makes you happy then people would go well actually i don't need to buy a house if i'm then able to just you know spend more time with my kids or or whatever else and, and that's i mean we haven't got enough time to delve into that necessarily today I do want to ask I mean you've you've had Isla then you've now on to your second with Zara again not that you're absolute pros but what have you learned so far I feel like you're definitely going to learn more on to the second one let's start with Madge what have you learned so far So I think the I think the first thing that you've got to understand as parents is that not every child is the same so um letting go of expectations is really big uh whether like even just from our first child and second child they are very different in terms of their needs and how they are going to sleep at night how they feed in they've been very very different but what i found is that and this is this is not from a father's point of view this is more from a mother's point of view just from the mothers that i've seen in my apartment or condo is that there's a lot of comparisons going around between kids um and whether they do it on purpose or not but that's what the conversation feels like so i kind of listen 
on the outside and just listen to what Pearl is saying or whatever. And there's a lot of questions that get asked. And this is my main thing is, is to not ask for advice, ask for a, a, a perspective, but don't ask for advice because that advice doesn't necessarily fit what your child needs. But having a perspective um, is really important because it gives you an idea and then maybe get two or three, four of them before you make a decision on how you want to implement it with your child. So, for example, there was, there was a, a, a phase where Isla was just about to get out of the cot. And I asked about three, four, five parents. I didn't know how to transition from the cot to the bed or even into her own room. And what I realized that was that for those four or five parents had completely different ways of doing it. And mm -hmm. it didn't even help me in the sense that I needed to make a decision. But what made me feel comfortable was that, you know what, it, that, that is a very unique thing to your own child. Your gut instinct tells you what you should do. And I should have gone with that in the first place. But it was nice to hear all the other perspectives anyway, just to consider it. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that we've, we've done is that we spend a lot of time outdoors. Being a PE teacher, I'm obviously not going to force my kids to play sports and stuff. But like little things that I've done is like left objects around the house, not dangerous ones, but like different size balls and taking her outside. She goes out in the morning and in the evening. She spends probably like three to four hours a day outside. So she's constantly moving, constantly being active. And she's learning and development has gone really quick. Although that doesn't matter about the development, about the speed of it. Again, every child is unique. But that's been really helpful for her. And, and, and I'm, I'm so happy that she does like the outdoors because we as uh, people as well like outdoors. So it's good that um, that's, that's been good. Um, and I think one, one thing is that the, is like the milestones that parents are sometimes too eager to get. Like it's that, it's that there's a little bit of ego around it. Like, well, my child started walking at 10 months. My child started walking at uh, one year. Or oh, my child hasn't even started walking. What's wrong with him? Um, or my child doesn't eat food, what's wrong with her, you know? And it's like all these comparisons, you've got to understand that your child will grow when it needs to grow and when it's ready, it'll be ready, you know? And just, just let, enjoy the experience and don't let go of the, uh, let go of the expectations. Don't be hard on mm. yourself. Um, obviously, there are things that we learn as we go along as parents and we might have done things differently. Maybe that's why the second kid has a better upbringing, maybe. But <laughs> like I said, they're all different. So that upbringing that you did the first time around is not like we've found out it doesn't work the second time. Um, and I think the last thing that I want to say is that I really, really think that people should prioritize this and it sounds very selfish, but do look after yourself right, in the whole process. Like for me, I don't work without sleep. So if I'm tired, it affects the rest of my day, affects my decision-making, affects uh, my patience, wherever I need to be around the kid. So by making sure I prioritize my sleep, and what that meant is initially when I first had Isla was I would sleep really early. Like I would go to bed around eight o'clock in, in the evening, even though I'd get up around six, half six, that gives me like a 10, 10 to 11 hour window. Uh, but although in that time, I'll probably only get around eight hours sleep because I'm going to be up for two, three hours. So I decided to prioritize that very early on. That means I sacrifice some TV time or whatever but that then has a better impact on the day. And then even like little things like speaking to Pearl and making sure that I arrange this, that I have some time to myself, that I have some time to my friends, that I have some time to go and play sport, like all of these things like we talked about before about what makes you happy. Like just because you become parent doesn't mean you, you neglect that side of things. So sometimes I do see parents, when they become parents, they just let go of everything. And it's like, oh, I used to be able to do that when I was free and single. You know, and I, I think there is a way of working around it. You just need to have that conversation 
with your partner and also getting that balance. I'm not saying I do it all day, every day, but um, it's whatever that is allowed in our relationship, to be, to be honest. What about you, Pearl? I think, think I think Madge has covered most of it. <laughs> we, both, we both have the same way of thinking, so that's a good thing. But there are just a few things I probably would add to it. I think um, things like um, things like that I, I definitely, as, as a parent, I learned uh, with Isla and with Zara as well, is to let my expectations go. Because I think as a mom, like I mentioned before, I, I like to do certain things certain way. And I think that's something that I have learned to let go. Uh, that was that was the first thing that I realized that uh, I had done. Um, the other thing is, I think Maj has mentioned this, where you know, uh, making sure that they are playing with things that's around them. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 have not. To, I if I if I'm not mistaken, I think we we didn't get any toys for Isla till about probably five six months. I think people were buying her gifts, and that's the gift. That's the toy that she was she was playing with. But to be fair, she was playing with a lot of things that's in the kitchen, that's around the house, the remote control, the, the tubs and things like that. And she literally like picked up a lot of motor skills from that as well. So, um, And I think it's a, it's a teacher side of me as well, where I want them to learn from what they can find around them, you know, things yeah. like that. And the other couple of things is like, I do want, because I have girls, I do want my girls to know that it is fine for them to do anything that they want to do. Um, and this is something to do with sports as well, uh, where I don't want them to think that, right, I'm a girl, I can't play football or I can't play this, this particular sport or whatever. I encourage, I'm going to encourage them to do whatever they want to do if they like doing that, if they, if they want, if they enjoy doing that. And that is something that I, I'm, I'm, I've already started doing that with Isla and I hope that, you know, so there's not going to be any forced thing, but yeah. this is something that we want them to be exposed to as well. And probably the other thing I want to say is that, um, similar to what Maj said, but I think this is something that I found on one of my um, uh, people that I follow on my Instagram, where they mentioned about having your children to adapt to your lifestyle. I think that's very, very powerful. Um, A lot of times when you speak to parents, they do tend to say like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have time for this. I'm really tired and stuff like that. If you really, really want to do something if you really want to do something you'll definitely find the time to do it and for sure like you know um, it is going to be tough at the beginning for me as well and as well as Maj as well it has been really tough to find time for us to work out and since that's something that we both enjoy doing like playing sports is one of those things that we enjoy doing and uh, we try to manage our time you know between each other like right Maj this time I'm going to do my workout you know so let's switch over so I think it's very, very important to do that as well. Um, yeah, think, other than that, I think, yeah, go on, Joe. Yeah, I, I think that's really good, though. I, I think, um, like, some of the things you mentioned now, I, I have zero experience of having kids. I have not got any kids. But I think one thing that I've started to realise just from having um, two nephews and friends now are starting to have kids is two things. One, the expectations is ridiculous. We, you don't get it as much here with some of the international schools because the pickup is like you stay in your car and you pick up your kids. But like I went and picked up my nephews this summer a few times from um, from school and it's the same thing. Like, you know, you, you're waiting there for the kids and all the mums are talking and you know, like the mums and dads are all going, oh, it's, 
is this person in this class? Oh, I've heard about this. And, you know, it, that comparison is always going to be there. And I think having the attitude that like to release those expectations is really important. I mean, I, I was like, a, I was a really late speaker, um, which is ironic considering we do a podcast called You Chat Too Much. But I didn't speak for ages as a kid. And, and my mum and dad were both in education and, and they were like you, they, they didn't really care about it. But I think after constant like parents saying, oh, oh, you should really, oh, you should, oh, you should. And putting all of these ideas into their head, they eventually took me to a speech therapist. And what was found out was just one, my sister spoke for me because she was older than me. And then two, I was just being lazy because one, my sister was speaking for me. So she would come in and say, Joe wants a drink. And then I would go, mm -hmm. and I would just like nod my head because she's already asked for me. So I just never had that development. But I think it, it was just, that's a great example of like, you know, expectations, isn't it? Um, and I loved your point, Pearl, about fitting around your kids, like, I had one of the best experiences this summer when um, I went to a Latitude Festival, which is quite a family-friendly festival in the UK anyway. But my, uh, my really good friends actually took their, their newborn and he's only, you know, six to nine months or so. But, you know, they got in these big old headphones and they took the, the pram and, and he, he had like the best time ever and he loved it and everybody was loving it. There was loads of kids there, granted, but that's the type of thing where people might think, oh, I, I can't do this because I've got now little ones. But it was, in a sense, it probably took them a little bit more planning and they had to think about it a little bit more. But, like, it was manageable. And I think that's important, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Madge, what, can I ask you something then which is maybe a little bit more difficult is what, what have you found difficult as a parent? Um, uh, one thing I do want to say about, like, about being difficult is I think what you've got to realise as a parent, being a parent, it, people don't lie to you. It is the toughest job in the world. And I'm not saying that to put anyone else off, but just, just know that it is, right? And the thing about it being difficult is that Sometimes I would say, this is just a number off the top of my head, 90% of the time being a parent is amazing, right? 10% of the time is hard. It's really hard. And I would say that 10%, when it is hard, it feels like it's the hardest thing ever and you question your life decisions, you know? <laughs> so sometimes waking up in the middle of the night, not even falling asleep, having a tantrum, whatever, whatever it is. And in that moment of time, you're just like, man, what, what have I done? Um, and it's just hard because especially when they're really young, they can't communicate. They're trying to work out their emotions. Um, but it's so, it quickly goes so straight away. As soon as they come over, they give you a kiss or a hug or they do something the first time or they got a massive smile on their face because the kids forget straight away. They just, it's just one of those things you can really distract them. So I think that's, that's what's difficult um, as a parent. But um, I've, I found, to be honest, I found... Um, well, before I want before I talk about it, I want to let Pearl let Pearl talk about it first because I want her to mention it, and then I'll just add add to it at the end. Um, so Pearl, there, there's been some things that you've struggled with as a parent. I know this because as your partner, as your husband, I've had to 
basically get involved in sometimes um, or have a lot of conversations with him and had to pick you up quite a few times as well. So we've already kind of spoken about expectations earlier. Um, do you do you want to talk about anything else about your expectations or are there any more expectations that you that you? No, I think with? I think I've mentioned it. Okay. Uh, before. All right. So so um, there are a couple of things that are kind of topics that are like stigma or they're very difficult to talk about. But we're we're not like you said on this podcast. We want to be open and honest and. Open and honest means that we're, we're, it's not us just telling it, but if you speak to other mothers or parents, they also have experienced it, but that conversation never happens. And it's just that this, this is what it's about. It's about trying to make you realise that these conversations need to happen. So um, Pearl and I, when we were in Egypt, um, we had a miscarriage. And the reason why I said we is because although physically Pearl had it, it it's, it's something that occurs to both of us. Um, and she had the miscarriage um, about six weeks in. Is that correct, Bill? Six no, weeks. It's about seven and a half weeks, Mike. So not, not, that, <laughs> not, not, not that big of a difference. Uh, but do you want to do you want to share more about that experience and then uh, uh, and how it's affected you later and then the sort of conversations that happen around that? Yeah, I think um, first of all, I never like I never even thought that it was going to happen to me. I've heard about it, but I've never known anything like more in depth about it or anything like that. So I've always thought like, right, if I want to have a kid, I'm just going to have a kid, you know, like it's going to happen like that. Just because of what I've seen around me, like my uh, my family, my mom, you know, my aunties and stuff, like no one had issues. So in my head, I'm thinking, right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start a family, it's going to be fine. Um, obviously I was wrong. Um, until I had the miscarriage to be fair we were trying for a while as well and then I think that miscarriage happened and I think the toughest part for me number one was the fact that we told a few people this is I think this is probably why people always wait for the um, 12 weeks mark whereas we were really excited because it it was our first pregnancy and Mm -hmm. you know we were trying for a while and we were so excited. So we told a couple of like close friends though. We didn't tell a lot of people, we were close friends. But then going back to them and then saying to them, oh, um, you know, we had a miscarriage. It was so, so, you know, sad. It was really hard. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, I have this, you know, this really bad experience. I know that a lot of people who have had worse experience than I do. And this is only something that I realized after having Isla. Um, where I started talking to people it was something that I did not want to talk to um, anyone Uh, it took me probably I would say two years or so after the miscarriage so after I had Isla and then for a while and then I started talking about it and I cannot believe how many people or how many women had miscarriages I honestly had no idea about that Um, I was freaking out at that point when I heard when I had the miscarriage, I was even asking the doctors, is there something wrong with me um, that I had this? Because I know as far as I know, I don't, you know, I don't do anything unhealthy. And we are both healthy people, you know, we, we eat well, we, you know, we drink well, we, we play sports and we are, and we come from a family who have good, you know, health background and all that as well. So I was really, really disappointed and surprised that it has happened to me and then when I spoke to other parents I was like wow like this is actually happening to a lot of women 
And I, you know, you, you know, even came across um, a lady at my apartment who had miscarriages about five times, and she only now had a proper pregnancy mm-hmm. um, just recently. So I was really happy for her, but it it was hard for me. I think the other thing is that I I don't know for some reason I I don't know why I feel this way uh, now to think about it. I feel why did I even feel that way? I felt embarrassed as well. I felt like I failed or something, mm-hmm. and then. After a while, like obviously now that I have had both the girls, I realized why did why did I even feel that way? You know, like I shouldn't I shouldn't feel that way. I, I think it was the confidence that I got after speaking to a lot of a lot of mum, and I think this is something that a lot of women don't do as much, um, especially when you're a new mum or you're pl- you know you're planning to do so. I mean, it's something that you should uh, you should do. And you should talk about, and I think this is something that not many women talk about. I was honestly, I was, I was not talking to anyone about this. And I remember another friend of mine who had um, quite bad actually experience with a miscarriage. She had like uh, ectopic uh, pregnancy, and then she had twice of that, and then she had a miscarriage, and it was it was devastating. And I remember, and I'm telling myself, well, well, I had you know only one. Imagine this this girl. She's had two. And her pain was horrible and, you know, all that, the things that she went through and then she had to go through her surgery and all that. And sometimes I just put myself in a place where, you know what, there are the people who are going through like worse than you, you mm-hmm. do. So just, you know, be, be strong and, you know, um, don't, you know, don't worry about that too much as well. Why do you think that is, though, that that conversation isn't happening? Because it's obviously something where um, as soon as you had that conversation, it made things, um, it made you, uh, enabled you to process things better. And I think the point you make about like the embarrassment, you know, is that, where's that embarrassment? Like, what are you embarrassed about? Because obviously it's nothing that you've done or is that a perceived feeling of, of you've done it? I think it's just a natural feeling, Joe. I, I don't know, like, mm. I, I honestly felt... I think I was very happy and I was like, you know, going all like excited about it. And then the point, the moment I heard that it was, it was not happening. I just felt like, right. Why did I even mention this? I know I shouldn't have mentioned this to anyone and I should have just kept mm-hmm. it to myself and then tell them when, when I hit the 12, 12 week mark. Um, and I think, I, I think it was also the feeling like the feeling that I had, I just felt really, really sad. I really felt disappointed as well. Yeah. Like that I couldn't. So I think it was more to do with how I was feeling. I, I don't know. Was, I think I don't know how other women go through it, but I do know like a couple of my friends who mentioned the same thing. They just didn't want to talk about it. They yeah. felt like they failed, you know. And then eventually they did speak about it. Only uh, on, only until I mentioned about miscarriage. Usually people don't speak about this openly. They just you know they just like ah oh, la 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 whatever. Yeah. But they only speak about it when you tend to say it, and then they're like oh. By the way, you know what? I had a miscarriage as well. I was wondering, um, did, it, did it make you feel better when you did have that discussion with someone about having a miscarriage? And uh, now you know things in hindsight. Would you have done it earlier? Now you know what it was like and that other people is quite common. Definitely, I definitely think that it made me feel a lot better when I talk to people. And I don't, I don't think it is just a miscarriage. I think it's just something that other things that I face as a mum or as a, even a, a new mum that a lot of times women just don't talk about it or mothers just don't talk about it. And when I speak to them about it, I feel so good because I feel like 
oh, actually, you are facing the same problem as well. Yeah. Um, or maybe she's having far worse than what I was going through. And yeah, it does make me feel better. And I think this is something that I definitely, definitely think people should, women should talk about. It's something that I'm going to mention later on, but I want, I want you to move on to the next thing that you struggle with as well, um, with both Isla and Zara, which was breastfeeding. Now, um, just to give you a little bit of context, um, I'll let Pearl talk more about it, but with Isla, um, Pearl wasn't able to produce the milk um, and the latching was a problem, wasn't it, towards, uh, towards the start. And then the second time round, with the guilt that happened from the first time round, we'll get, let Pearl talk a little bit about it more. Uh, the second time round, Pearl made sure that when she was in the hospital, she made some changes. So well, the first thing was like when, when the baby was born, making sure that for all the feeds, um, the baby was there. So we made sure that Zara was there and got breastfed. And you were like kind of supervised by the, by the nurses to kind of help you. And the latching happened straight away. So you made that change the first time, uh, second time around because the first time you didn't know it was, they were, uh, Isla was getting fed uh, without our, not without knowledge, but we, we were a bit naive in that sense. And then other things were like, as soon as you realised the second time around you didn't, weren't producing milk, you started taking, you, start, you went to see the doctor, they gave you medication, um, you started taking supplements, different supplements that are allegedly help you uh, producing milk and you did everything in place but you still wasn't able to produce milk um, which for me as, a, as your husband was it was really important that I think you had that process because I think you felt very very guilty first time around because you felt like you missed some steps even though you didn't but then this time around you did do those steps and you still wasn't to produce milk and for me although yeah I know you would ideally would have liked to produce milk but um, at least for me, there's consistency knowing that it happened for the first time, for the second time, was just one of those things. And the great alternative is that in this day and age, we have formula, um, which means that child does not get neglected. And there's a very big taboo subject about formula versus uh, breast, breastfed children, which I'll let Pearl talk about a little bit more. But uh, just to let you know that all my siblings, including myself, and I'm a bleed giant, we're all... Um, formula fed so it's not like it, uh, it's caused any problems anywhere but Paul you want to talk more about that you want to fill in the gaps yeah yeah sure um it is something uh, that is very emotional for me to be fair I think that that was probably the most toughest part of being a new mum at the first time and then obviously the second time round as well I I just felt I felt you know a failure as well because I felt like how can everyone around me, you know, breastfeed and I can't do it. So I really felt upset about it because I, I honestly wanted to breastfeed both of them as much as I could. And I tried everything that I can, um, you know, from a lactation consultant to, you know, making sure that the baby's being latched, making sure the second time room with Zara, like the nurses to come in and check on me and then doing the pumping and uh, power pumping and uh, expressing the milk and, so many things that you know even supplements and uh you know eating certain food to, to boost the milk supply or whatever i've tried honestly everything that i could think of i think i've ticked all the boxes it just did not work for me and i think with um like what mike said the second time around i have accepted the fact that i probably am not you know making enough um 
but as far as I know, I feel good the fact that I've tried everything that I can, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I, it was hard for me at the beginning to 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 start with, uh, you know, when I could not could not do that. But right now, I've accepted that I I just as long as my both my girls and I know Isla has been you know formula fed pretty much most of the most of the first year anyway, and she's doing really well. Um, so I think that kind of made me think why why am I feeling guilty about you know feeding my uh, feeding Zara formula formula mm-hmm. as well so I'm fine with it now I've accepted that uh, but it's something that I, I I think a lot of moms do feel that way as well and I know one of my friend who I was I didn't know that she had a baby and um, she had the same issue she wasn't producing enough milk mm-hmm. and it was the society that she's around with or I would say maybe her family or people that she's around with who's saying to her that, you know, you should breastfeed your child or even sometimes when she's going out and she's making uh, formula milk for her child. Mm-hmm. And then well, once someone came across her and said, why, why can you not feed your child? Breastfeeding mm-hmm. is better for your child or something like that. I think this was at the hospital when she gave, after she gave birth and she was waiting for the pediatrician or something like that. And she felt really, of course, you're going to feel offended and you feel guilty as well, but at the same time, we, you know, we, what, what can, what can she do at that point? You know, she, her baby was actually having a very severe jaundice as well because of, um, because she, she wasn't making enough milk, or maybe her content of the milk that she has, um, um, has certain thing that wasn't suiting the baby or something like that, so that caused even worse jaundice. And so she did say to me that eventually I had to formula feed and he is doing a lot better now. Um, so, and there's a lot of things that you need to know as well before you breastfeed your child. I think the education is very important as well. And I think this is something that I felt like I was, did not prepare myself in advance. But I do, I do think we did. Like Marge and I went for antenatal class and I was even mm-hmm. reading certain things about it. I was speaking to like some people who were breastfeeding, but I think I did that a lot more the second time round because I yeah. know what to expect. Um, but I think this is something that I think it's very, very important that you have to understand that if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And at the, at the end of the day, your if your child is being fed and your baby is healthy and happy, I think that's the most important thing. And I, that, that's something that I've accepted. Although sometimes I do feel guilty and I, still do have that feeling i'm not gonna lie i still feel bad that i can't sometimes but i definitely think i have kind of in a way accepted that you know it is what it is and at the end of the day i know zara is you know healthy and she's doing fine yeah Um, for sure yeah yeah i mean for for me like i want i gotta be careful with what i say next because i don't want all the mothers to gang up outside my house and threaten me and do a protest but I found like in this whole process uh, with with Pearl, like the the difficult side hasn't been the technical side of being a parent, like I've I, like not being you know being tired and finding the actual parent difficult. What I found difficult is being supporting Pearl in through this whole process. So it's been mentally draining on her, and she's quite an emotional person anyway. So it's it, for me as a husband, I've I've I found it. That's where the difficulty has been. Not not me supporting her, but being trying to get her to see the positive side of it and trying to change their mindset. And what, what's, what a couple of things that Pearl didn't mention there was that I, th- I think your friend um, baby went into hospital because she was really sick, wasn't she? And, yeah. and, and she just kept 
doing breastfeeding even though even though there was no milk there and that was because of what society and she she also mentioned about how instagram and social media had an impact where um people just put about how good it is to breastfeed and obviously i think if pearl had the opportunity uh, option to breastfeed i think she would have um but even people who do have the opportunity to breastfeed might decide uh, against it maybe my mum says um she was in too much pain from the c-section that she went she went into um she gave us a bottle feed a formula feed so and some people want to go back to work as well so it's their option but it's just the way it's portrayed um it's like little things i remember pearl got upset because one of her friends asked her uh, how she was doing and stuff and then she said or have you, uh, uh, how's breastfeeding going? Or have you been breastfeeding? And Pearl said, no. So instead of asking her oh, why uh, the, around it, she just went, oh, have you tried these things to help me breastfeed? So when she, instead of just asking, oh, what's the reason behind it? Or is everything okay? It just went straight into, oh, she needs help and I need to help her. So, and, and, then, and then the other thing was, is that I think sometimes as well, this is where I don't think they do it on purpose, but it comes across like this. It is very much an ego society with uh, with the mothers. Um, I've not really come across it with the dads, to be honest. But um, with the mothers, it's just like you know, uh, you ask a question: Have you breastfed your kids? I don't even know why you need to ask that question. But if you do ask that question, they go, "Yeah, I breastfed my kid all the way up until two years old." Uh, oh, look how big my child is! Yeah, because I breastfed them. You know, it's just like little things like that where it's like an ego thing. And we talked about it before. Yeah, my child started. Uh, walking at uh, 10 months and, you know, start doing handstands at uh, seven months and start doing roly-polies at nine months, whatever, you know, and it's just like that constant comparison where I just feel like you just you just need to kind of just, you know, rein it back a bit. And I think, I think women um, have a responsibility to talk to each other, you know. They have that responsibility. I know Pearl now is very conscious of what other mothers go through. I know that when there's a new, when one of her friends is going to become a new mother, she's very much there from the start, supporting her and asking the right questions, and and making sure there's support rather than asking the judgmental questions. And she's there if they need some support, but she's just making sure. And that's something that I do with my friends as well with their mothers. If their mothers, I'll ask them how you're feeling, what have you found difficult, get them talking about it rather than just trying to give advice. Well, you want to say something? Yeah, no, I just want to add something. It's quite similar with um, how you give birth as well, you know, with the labour, whether you have C-section or whether you have natural birth or whether you're going to get induced. I think that is something also I've seen among mums where they're like, oh, um, you had C-section or you had a natural birth or you had induced, you know, that is is also another comparison, comparing Mm -hmm. thing that that has been happening as well. And I know some, like some mums just ask, for whatever reason but I know some parents who feel like oh I had a natural birth or you had a c-section you know so I think I think um yeah those, those that that is another thing that I realized happening as well as well as the breastfeeding thing yeah it's interesting um I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up and I just want to start by saying Pearl thanks one not only for coming on our podcast but also um for sharing stuff, which is like really quite personal. Um, and I remember when Madge kind of said, I want um, Pearl to come on and we're going to talk about some of these topics. I was like, oh, wow, like that, that takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to kind of um, say that. So thank you for one, for coming on and, and speaking. I think the one thing I take from this is there's two things that, that 
expectations that that everybody has and this goes into more than just parenthood but parenthood specifically is huge and and kind of letting go of those expectations and just focusing on like the health of your child um and just whether they are happy is is huge isn't it and um i'm sure i will go on that journey if i do at some point and i'm sure i'll be battling with those expectations as well from other people and myself but um no i really appreciate some of the some of the stories and some of the experiences that you, that you both shared today so thanks very much i just wanted to add at the, at the end that um you know uh reach out to people reach out to parents like if you're in need do it you know and if you if any of you want to do want to speak to pearl you can get in contact with us on the email address and i can get you in touch with her but there was there was two um Instagram pages that Pearl shared with me, I just want you to share it with them that I found really useful that kind of break the stigma and kind of tell you how it really is rather than what it, sh- what it should be or what society expects. What, what's the name of those uh, podcast uh, Instagram pages? I think it was Big Little Feelings, if I'm not mistaken. Big Little Feelings, yeah, that was the other one. What's the one with the dads? Um, the other one was... was that Daddy Vibes, I think it was. Yeah. Daddy vibes, yeah. So, dad vibes. Dad yeah. So, um, definitely visit those two pages. Uh, I found them to be really um, empowering and makes me feel a lot better about what we're doing as parents. And, and I'm sure uh, Pearl has done as well. Thanks, Pearl. Thanks for coming. No worries, love. Uh, I'll see you in about 10 minutes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you like it, please subscribe and share it with anybody who might enjoy it. You can now email us also. Email us at youchattoomuchpodcast at gmail.com. Do get in touch with us to let us know what you think of the episode or the podcast, what you enjoyed, what you would like us to explore more on, and also some new topics we could discuss. You never know, you could be on the podcast soon.